Thanks for tuning into the Dope Vision Experience Podcast. Your boy Frank Nitty. I'm back for another episode. I want to say thank you to each and every person who gave me the opportunity to share with you my thoughts and my opinion about what's going on in this world, what's going on in this culture. Man, it's been some crazy stuff that's been happening over the past week or so. Um, I just want to get into it and talk about some of the things that actually came across my timeline and some of the things I want to share with you guys that you may not have seen or uh, that's probably been hidden from you or more or less that you guys haven't had opportunity to see on your timelines. Um, man, but the first thing we got to talk about, of course, you know, Cat Williams and what he did on Club Shay Shay. Shout out to Club Shay Shay for, you know, giving him that space to be able to talk about the things that he wanted to talk about because there were previous guests that had came on there some of the comedians that came on there and, and like said entertainer and steve harvey and they came on there and, and talked about a lot of different things and of course cat williams had saw it he saw everything and he's one of those guys who probably has been you know kind of talking about some things on the low but just not publicly just kind of just airing it all out there he got the opportunity to go on club shay shay and say what he wanted to say you know, it was a full two hour plus uh, interview. As soon as Shannon kind of opened the uh, said the introduction, man, it just took off from there. Cat just kind of went off and just let it let it all loose, man. He, he basically told everything that was going on by Steve Harvey, by Cedric Entertainer. Steve Harvey stealing jokes, Cedric Entertainer stealing his jokes, and you know, and it just kind of put the internet ablaze last week, man. And he basically just aired out all the dirty laundry of all the things that those comedians had been doing to him. He's a legend for sure. He's for sure a legend. And he has the, he has the right to do that, especially if they are, you know, stealing jokes from him and they are, you know, mistreating him or whatever the case may be that he feels the need to talk about. You know, he talked about Kevin Hart, you know, he just talked about a lot of different comedians in the industry, basically his peers, you know, because these are some of the people that he came up with, you know, with the Steve Harvey's basically saying that he took jokes from Mark Curry and uh, Cedric Antanas taking jokes from him and how he roasted Steve Harvey back in the day when he was in Detroit. And of course, the Internet is going to do what the Internet does. It's going to go and find those clips. It's going to bring it back home to everybody and it's going to punch in those points that he was basically talking about. And we've seen over the past week or so that no one has came out and said, oh, I'm suing Cat uh, Williams for what he said to me, what he said about me. You know, I'm going to sue him. Nothing. Oh, he's a liar. No, it's been more or less the opposite where people have been coming forward and, you know, and kind of corroborating basically what he was saying about the people that he was talking about. You know, he's just saying his truth. He's telling you from his perspective because those other uh, comedians came on and they talked about things from their perspective. So he basically kind of wanted to let you guys know, like, no, this is what it is. This is how it went down. What they're talking about, no, it didn't go down that way, but I'm going to let you know the real. And of course, Cat Williams going to, you know, speak. He's going to have a little bit of truth and he's going to be a little bit, play it up a little bit because that's who he is. He's definitely going to play it up a little bit. You know, like when he said he, he was reading 3,000 books a, a year, which, which, you know, that's kind of far-fetched. You know, he's still running a, a 4 three forty, And, of course, you know, with him being a comedian, he's going to do it in a comedic way. So the next couple of days, he goes out and he shows that he's running a, on a basketball court and somebody shows a four four six, which I, I don't quite uh, understand or believe that he's still running a four four six at the age of, you know, his late 40s or early 50s. I'm exactly sure how old he is, but more or less, that he's actually showing you that, you know, you can make it without all of these people backing you. And that's kind of what he was telling Kevin Hart. Like he was claimed that he was an industry plant, 
Like how did he build his audience on the East Coast and then come out West and then all of a sudden he get TV shows and specials and just all those different things that come with being at the top of the game. You know, him and Kevin Hart has had this little back and forth, you know, beef for a while now. It's been going on and we've seen, you know, Kevin Hart go on to uh, Breakfast Club and he's, you know, he's talking with him and Tiffany Haddish and he's talking, but we knew who he was talking about. He just didn't say any names. Whereas when Cat came on, he called those guys out by name. It was no hiding. He wasn't, you know, speaking around the situation. He was talking straight ahead, straight on. Like, no, this is Adrian Entertainment. He stole this joke. Oh, uh, uh, Steve Harvey, he was wearing a man piece back in the day. Uh, Kevin Hart, he's a plant, this and that. So he was not holding back any punches throughout that entire interview. And Shannon Sharp, Poe Shannon, he was just there. You know, doing the best that he could. You know, he's a he's a great entertainer. He's been, of course, he has his own opportunity to grow in the in, in the interview space. But like he said, this is more of a conversation. I'm not an interview person. If you want to be interviewed, you go to those other people who do those type of interviews. But here, we're gonna have a conversation. We're gonna drink some of my my cognac, and we're gonna talk and have an open conversation. And Steve, I mean, say in in club and club Shay Shay with Shannon, he was basically you know trying to reel him back in a little bit. And kind of get trying to get him on a straight and narrow on get some of his questions out, which he did, which we kind of hear more. Um, that was my first time hearing about his background. He doesn't really necessarily talk about it a lot, you know, talk about, you know, him growing up in, in the Midwest and moving out of Miami and then going to Denver and just different things living out in the living out in the Bay for a while. So, you know, Shannon did his thing. He got an opportunity to try to, you know, get some questions in there. But of course, Cat felt like he I felt like Cat had something to say so when he came on he was like this is where i'm going to say it i'm going to put it out to the people and this is i'm gonna let you guys know this is what it's about it's not none of that stuff that you guys been hearing from them this is what it is and this is how i go down so man cat just he just let them have it and like i said man you just been seeing other comedians coming out and just saying oh cat did this for me cat did that for me you know blah blah this blah blah that basically kind of backing up a lot of his different stories that he had so man that's kudos to him for you know speaking his truth and getting it out there uh, i'm not sure if it's going to sway the opinions of anybody because those guys are established Cedric Tanner, he's established he was on the kings of comedy um you know along with steve harvey bernie mack and dl hughley like he had no smoke for dl hughley or bernie mack because he did say at one point that after bernie passed away you know, they tried to bring him on a king uh, on, on the Kings of Comedy, but he didn't want to do it because he had so much respect for Bernie Mac because, you know, they well he he claimed that Bernie Mac was kind of um, was he was the star of the, the Kings of Comedy to me. He was the star of the Kings of Comedy and Steve Harvey wasn't too fond of it. And so he was kind of, you know. Let him know, like, no, you're not going to shit on Bernie and then try to turn around and get me to come on tour because I got too much respect for Bernie because he, he and Bernie kind of had a little falling out. Um, that's kind of talk is being talked about here and there that, you know, Bernie wanted to, you know, get into the movies and, you know, be a star. And, you know, Steve was kind of hating and kind of blocking and making different things. And, you know, one point in time, Steve kind of talked about Bernie. And these are some of those claims that why the Kings of Comedy thing kind of fell apart. Like when it came out, it was great. You know, those four, you know, guys that we looked at, of course, you know, you had Steve Harvey. You know, he was he was doing the late night show with Apollo. Then you had the Steve Harvey show where he had Cedric Entertainer on. And of course you had Bernie Mac was, you know, he was a comedic genius. Like he genius. He was he was so, you know, 
Like he's so powerful with his jokes. Like you, you remember those jokes. You remember his his facial expressions when he's delivering those jokes from that King of Comedy, or you, or you see him on Def Comedy Jam. You know, like DL, he was on that as well. But the showstopper was, of course, Bernie Mac. And then we've heard Steve Harvey talk about, you know, nobody wanted to go after Bernie Mac. And so he, that's why he more or less became the host of the show. But Cat was saying that, you know, that it was Steve Harvey's tour that Bernie basically kind of took it over. That's why he was, that's why there was a big, you know, backlash of, uh, between those guys about who was going to be the closer. You know, they were rotating, closing, but, you know, Cat made it seem like, hey, this is, it was Steve Harvey's tour in the beginning. And then those guys kind of came on. That's why he was closing. But after Bernie was such a, such a showstopper, nobody wanted to go after him. So that's how it kind of became more of a, a Bernie tour to me because Bernie was the guy, you know, everybody wanted to hear what Bernie had to say. Like, you know, of course, Steve and DL and, and, and Sid and, and say it was okay, you know, but the showstopper was definitely Bernie Mac. And so Cat was just like not feeling that. And so, man, just Cat just kind of like, just let it loose. And that was the internet. And he had an internet in a chokehold, you know, up to like a week later, the, the video itself, you know, it pulled in about 42 million views you know it was all over the place like we then we hear you know uh what was it kevin hart he basically tried to reply to what you know what what cat said trying to blow it off a little bit but then he went on to the nba telecast that was kind of aired during the seven sixes game he and the plastic cup boys you know that's a part of his team and they were kind of making some jokes but the joke just wasn't hitting you know because Cat said so much and it was so forthright what he was talking about that, you know, the the, the jokes what Kevin was kind of saying, you know, they weren't hitting as hard, you know what I mean? And so he has kind of tried to reply to, to Cat, but not in a way where Cat has basically kind of gave him that gut punch, like kind of gave it to him. And, and, and of course, you know, with Kevin Hart, he is in the position that he's in. He's so far up there, you know, he has probably so much of a big brand that he can't say a lot of the things that he probably wants to say. He can't get down and dirty down there with Cat. And and Cat can kind of say what he wants to and say it how he wants to and say it the way he wants to. Whereas because Kevin Hart has made himself such a brand that he can, he doesn't want to ruin anything because I'm pretty sure he has a ton of people that's relying on him, but that's his brand. So, you know, he just sometimes you just gotta let it go. Let cat say what you know, let cat say what he's gonna say and then let the people, you know, get their laughs off you because you can't beat the internet. You can't out joke the internet because the internet's always gonna win. So the best thing for him is to kinda like say it, say his piece and then just move on. But you can't get down and dirty with with Cat because he will he would get muddy and he'll sling muddy. We saw what happened to you know Wonder Smith that's down in Atlanta on that epic you know television no that epic uh radio uh, interview that they did. He was supposed to be on there talking about you know the image that he won for his role in Atlanta, but then the, the interview just turned left and it just was not good for Wonder. And you know that was that became one of those epic uh, roasting sessions where he basically just kind of gave it to her. So he's smart in what he's done. He he's positioned himself. He he he's one of those type of guys that he's always come with fresh ideas, fresh jokes. So he's witty and he's smart with it. And he's a great orator. So he can get his words and his point across and he can say it in such a manner where it comes off as smart and funny at the same time. So, you know, shout out to him for doing what he had to do and uh getting Club Shay Shay 
on the map more or less you know he got a couple of million subs after that you know he got his following count up after that you know it hit mainstream media for you know it basically did two million it did two million in like 23 hours and then after that it just kind of took off you see it at three or four days is at 20 million 30 million you know, a week later is at 40 million, then it went to 42 million. And so I'm surprised. I would love to see what the numbers are now. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't do, you know, between 43 and 45 million on one interview. And that goes to show you that long content does work if the content is uh, entertaining. It was like a movie, like it was like a three hour movie. Like if it's something that we want to consume, we will consume it. So to say our attention span is short, I think that's not totally true because if it's something that we want to watch and it's entertaining, we'll watch it. We'll watch it all the way through. For it to have 42 million views and let me know that people watch the entire interview. You might not have watched it all in one setting, but you watched the entire interview because once he started, you want to see where he went with it and you want to see how he capped it off. So to say that we don't, um, we, we have short attention span. Yes, it can be short because of the social media's kind of pushing short form content on us, you know, 15 seconds, 30 seconds, but that's more or less for them on their side because they know that they have to store all this data that is being uploaded every single day. And you have to have servers to manage to be able to hold all that data. But at the same time, if you give it to us in bite-sized format, because we're all busy people, we have things going on all the time. We're doing, we're going here, we're going there. We have families, we got different things going on. But if the entertain, but if the uh, the content is good, we'll stop, we'll take a moment, and we'll basically eat it up, and we'll go through it. So, man, shout out to him for doing what he had to do, and uh, shout out to. Um, Club Shay Shay and Shannon Sharp for doing big numbers. And he also has um, his nightcap episode that goes on with him and uh, Ocho Cinco. And then he had also had the basketball portion of the nightcap with uh, Gilbert Arena. So his podcast is growing. It's good to see him kind of land on his feet after, you know, Undisputed and going over to, you know, Stephen A with, with the show there with uh, First Take and being on there Monday and Tuesdays and still having the opportunity to have his own branding outside of that. And he continued to grow like he's building almost a, a platform, almost a, a, a Pat McAfee type of thing where um, you don't necessarily need the big brand to kind of help push you anymore. You're a brand all on your own. And I think he's getting there and he's only been doing it for a short amount of time. Like, I don't even think it's been over a year yet that he's been just like doing his own thing with his podcast. He's had multiple people on there, you know, big, big name guests and just growing his podcast each and every day. And it's just, you know, great to see him kind of step out there on his own and continue to grow his business and continue to be a businessman outside of the, the football uh, analysis that he does, you know, daily with the different sports things that he's talking about. So he's a great, he's a great, he's a great guy. He was voted number one as the number one sports entertainer, uh, which he's, which is well-deserved is well-deserved because he he's reached such new heights, uh, stepping out there on his own and doing his own thing. So the next thing I want to talk about is, uh, man, I don't know if you guys saw where there was 200 and about 15, uh, 215 bodies that were found in Jackson, Mississippi, out behind the police department, which was a very uh, saddened thing to hear. I am from Mississippi, so to hear something like that and see something like that, it's just heartbreaking. And just to see those families to have no closure. And then all of a sudden, one woman who was just determined to figure out what was going on and somehow discovered that her son was hit by a police car and he was buried out back. They were burying these guys with no graves. They were just putting poles with numbers on them. 
and then you have to buy the body back from them to be able to get a proper burial. So I will, I'm, I'm fascinated to see what's going to come of this because this is outrageous to be in these day and times and, you know, hear information like this. This is just such a very saddened thing to hear, you know, especially if you're one of those family members wondering where your family member is, you're searching and you're going to the police department, you're asking them, Hey, you know, what's new information do you have for me? And they tell you nothing. We have nothing. We have no information. The case is still open. We're going to continue to do our investigation. And at the same time, you're doing nothing. You're doing absolutely nothing because you already know where the body is. The body's buried out back. Like, why isn't this getting more attention from na uh, national news? You know, we, we get attention for things that are, that are pretty much negative about, you know, when it comes to, you know, kids and uh, teen pregnancies and, you know, abortions and, you know, uh, other things like that. But something that's dealing with the police department and bodies being found and nobody's able to give you, you know, no national news about it. Like, why isn't CNN and Fox and these other people are talking about this? This is a this should be a national story at this point to get justice for these families. And then to the, all of that, you have to buy the body back. Like, how crazy is that for you to, you know, bury my, bury my, my loved one, put it in the unmarked grave with the pole. Don't tell me about it. Just continue to lie to me about the investigation. And then when it's actually turned out that the bodies are buried behind your police department, you're going to tell me, oh, you, we can't release the body to you until you pay us. Like, what type of craziness is this? Like, you don't. You don't see stories like this every single day and for it to not be a national news is a, is a tragedy in itself. So, man, I, I I hope that, you know, the family themselves, they can figure out, you know, a way to, you know, maybe sue the city, you know, sue the police department. You know, there has to be some you know repercussions for things like this, because otherwise, who knows what other departments going to do it or they may just do it again or something like that. Like the. To do a human being like that is just unthinkable. And to know that it's going on and to not to say anything at all this all this time is just it's it's insane for you know to treat a human being like that. To not give the family their closure that they need when you know that the the loved one is out buried in the backyard. Like, but if it was somebody if it was a, a a person who shot and killed somebody or somehow, you know, killed someone, they would try to throw the book at the people. They're going to throw the first degree murder, second degree murder, manslaughter, all those charges. They're going to try to give you 50, 100 years. But you don't say nothing to the, the chief of police. You don't say nothing to the, uh, the captain or nothing. Like none of this is being being discussed. But, you know, of course, you're going to have Ben Crump and the rest of the team that's probably going to step in and try to make their voices heard and try to get some justice for this for these families because you you should have some justice man like there has to be some somebody has to pay for this because to have that many bodies buried out back is just insane where you know the entire police department knew about this you knew about you know people around you know other departments probably knew about this because there's no way you can just put bodies it was it'd be if it was one or two you like uh maybe but 200 plus bodies and you putting poles with numbers on it and you just burying people in probably shallow graves like that's in that's insane that's insane uh we did see the guy dive over the 
the banister or the counter to attack the judge. And, you know, this has just been some wild things that's been happening over the first week and a half of uh, the 2024 year. We had Stanley Cup craziness going on. You know, the marketing for that was insane. A car broke down and Stanley bought the person a car with the only thing that was remaining was the Stanley Cup. And now they're marketing to women and putting in different, different colors. And, you know, they're, they're, it's a craze right now. And I don't really get it because Stanley Cups have been around forever. But kudos to the marketing team for, you know, punching up there, making their making the product, you know, he was striking the iron while it's hot. And it's going crazy right now. They want $70 for a cup just for different colors. And, you know, the marketing has to be proud of themselves because, you know, they are in a sweet spot right now selling those cups. Uh, we did have another thing to talk about that I want to discuss is, man, when we come to these relationships, we have to, you know, protect ourselves, protect our you know hearts, but also, you know, protect your reputation because anybody can just step out and just say something negative about you. And then if it's loud enough, even though if it's untrue, if it's loud enough, people will believe it. So there was a young lady online who basically portrayed that this guy that she met on campus uh, was uh, sexually active with her. She was a virgin. He took her virginity and he gave her uh, HIV, which was a, you was like, wow. You see something like that, you're like, wow, did that really happen? And you felt sorry for her. And then she was showed all these text messages that was going back and forth with him. Basically, you know, he's he was willingly giving her HIV because he was so enamored with her. He had to have her. Um, he's like, oh, it's gonna be me and you. You know, now that you have it, I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily sorry that you have it. I apologize that you have it, but you know, I wanted you and I couldn't, I couldn't be without you. So I, um, I basically willingly gave you HIV and you like, whoa, man, this is insane. This is sickness. Like, why would you do something like that? Like, why would you, why would you put her in a predicament? Why would you take her life like that and kind of make her, you know, be on the other side of having to take medicine for, you know, for being HIV positive. And the story went on and it went on and a couple of days go by. And then all of a sudden you find out that it's not true. The guy himself is like, no, that did not happen. I no longer want to see her and this is these are my test results like she's basically ruined my life because of course she posted his picture she posted where she where he went to school and she gave him all this information about this guy and of course the internet's gonna do what the internet's do it is going to bombard you and it's going to crush you social you know social mentions to the point where you are like feel like you're choking probably and to know that the world thinks that you have AIDS and you, you willingly gave it to someone, like, that is insane. And then for you to come back and say, no, that is not true. Here are my test results. I never did that to her. I don't have AIDS. I never had AIDS. And to find out that she totally made up the story. Totally made up the story. And you ruined this guy's life. Like, what are the, what again, what are the repercussions for doing things like this? Like, you cannot just go out fake text messages text yourself and then post them online because you're hurt like there has to be some justice behind it like you have to teach a person a lesson and make them be the example that you cannot do this to people because this is some this is someone's life it's someone's family member there's the brother the cousin the uncle like son like you cannot do that to a human being and then expect him to just go on with his life because now he'll always be the guy 
who gave someone AIDS because chances are the story went crazy. It got millions of views. And the truth is not going to be as loud as the lie is at this point. Like the people who saw that, they're not going to see the aftermath and the truth that comes behind it because not everybody's going to see it. So the lie is out there. He's always going to have to deal with this. It's always going to be a situation to come up and say, hey, aren't you that guy that gave the girl AIDS? It's like, no, I did not give her AIDS. I gave, I showed my test results and they're going to be like, oh, really? You know, or they're going to just try to judge him on something that they don't even know the truth about. So there needs to be, you know, there needs to be some, you know, uh, some punishment for situations like this. Like you have to punish the people to let others know that you cannot, like they have revenge porn. You cannot get upset with somebody and go and post their sex tape and things like that. That's called revenge porn. They need to be something like that where someone's upset and they go out and they make outlandish statements about you, about having, you know, uh, HIV or HIV positive, you giving them AIDS and things like that. Like there has to be, a, there has to be a way to punish somebody because you cannot willingly just go out and do these type of things and then just be like, oh, I was hurt. I'm sorry. Um, I want things to go back to normal. Like, no, you cannot go back to normal once you let that to once you get the toothpaste out the tube, you cannot put it back in. You cannot put it back in. It's not going to work that way. So, you know, there needs to be some type of punishment to go along so that the next person knows that they, hey, look, this is a established punishment for this type of thing. You're not going to be just out here saying things without having any proof and just saying it and then getting people's lives all blown up. So, you know, uh, shouts and prayers to him and his family. I hope everything kind of works out for him. You know, hope he can possibly get past it and, and hope the internet, you know, kind of turns the tide and let him know, like, you know, apologize to this guy and let him know that, hey, look, you're not the animal or the, you know, that, that we thought you were. You know, we need to get more facts. And sometimes that's why I think the internet, you have to get more facts before you jump to conclusion. We're all so quick to just jump to conclusion. You know, she said it and then all of a sudden, Everybody just jumped to conclusion and said, oh, this is what it is. Instead of getting both sides of the story. You, there's like I said, there's the truth, there's the lie, and then there's somewhere in between. So you have to be able to get both sides of the story before you make judgment on someone. And once you, once you are given new information, you're allowed to change your mind. You're allowed to change your mind. We all should be allowed to change our mind once we have new information about something. Because new information definitely would change the way you, you know, way you approach something. Because your opinion may have been this way in the beginning, but then once you heard some new information, you should be allowed to change your opinion. So um, I want to say thank you guys again for giving me the opportunity to share with you my thoughts and my opinion about what's going on in this world, what's going on in our culture. I appreciate you guys for clicking the button. You know, continue to support me, share it with a friend. Um, check out some of the previous episodes. I definitely really enjoyed the pre one of our previous episodes when we talked about our 10 home buying tips. It's not your typical 10 home buying tips that you hear all over the internet. You know, it's coming from me. I want you guys to know about some things to be aware of. So I um, go check out those previous episodes, come back, share it with a friend. If you're in the market, or if you're going to be in the market, you know, tell a friend to tell a friend. So again, I want to say thank you guys. I appreciate your love. I appreciate your support. This your boy, Frank City, Frank Needed from the City. I'm out.